The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Uh, for some reason, we're not streaming over at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Boy, if something can go wrong, it just goes wrong. Yesterday, doing a pre-record, <laughs> the Zoom cut out halfway. Uh, we lost our guest for a little bit, so you'll be getting that um, um, interview tomorrow. But uh, we're, we're not going on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, but we are live on Red State Talk Radio, we're live on Twitter, my video feed there at Twitter. Uh, also Periscope, Setting Brush Fires. You can also check us out on Facebook at Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel is B. Dean Sons of Liberty. We're on BeforeIt'sNews.com. Michael Roach gives us a place there at 6 a.m. Eastern Time every weekday morning, 8 a.m. on Saturdays, and then 3 p.m. Bradley brings it in on Monday through Saturday. And then you can catch us on DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty. You can also find us on Spreely, Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.life at Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. And uh, I've cut the phone lines off because it sounds like it's uh, taking out some of my audio. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, but I do have a new power uh, UPS system we're going to put in today that I hope is going to cure some of this stuff that we had, things coming out. With that said, uh, today's show is going to be a little different. Um, we are going to... We're not going to carry the mainstream media's uh, narrative on this, but we are going to deal with the issue of the black community being targeted with eugenics program, and that's been going on for decades now. And here to help me discuss this issue is a new friend uh, down in the state of Texas. He has uh, he's gotten up really early this morning. Mark Crutcher from Life Dynamics. Mark, good morning. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Now we were uh, we had a little bit of conversation. Uh, I told Mike uh, Mark that I had seen his documentary uh, Maafa 21 some years back when I was at Nicene Council. But I did it while I was working. You know, you take in the information, but then you you forget a lot of different things. And Mark was kind enough to send me another copy, which I watched. And we're going to play a small clip of that uh, this morning. But uh, but Mark, you know, we see this thing called Black Lives Matter now. Mm-hmm. One of the issues is is that what we've what we've come to find out is like anything else in history, 
yeah, there were some people that may have started out good with protests. And then there is always the provocateurs. There's always the people that come in that undermine and they basically try to take over things and, uh, and, and then they try to push a certain agenda rather than do, go for justice in, in a matter. And we've seen entire, you know, little areas of cities and things set on fire, um, businesses looted, all of this stuff in the name of Black Lives Matter. Well, at the Sons of Liberty, we believe what God says is that all nations are of one blood. God created Adam and Eve, and from them came the human race. And that's all of it. There is no races, as it were. There's one race. It's the human. Uh, we come from different ethnical backgrounds. We all have different colors of skin. Even white people are not really you know, white. We, we're, <laughs> we're not really this color here. Um, and black people are really not black in the, in the in the sense of of what color is we're all shades of the same of the same skin and we have different uh, different personalities we have different features and all of these kinds of things and yet in our history there has been a targeting of blacks here in America and uh that's what I wanted to bring you on for now this is not an excuse people we're not going to do that we're not going to go down that road but we are going to hit the issue of life and how important it is God says that hands that shed innocent blood, um, you know, he hates those kinds of things. And we are to love our brother as ourself. And so that, with that said, I want that's how I'm wanting to tee this up, because you're going to give a lot of history here in this hour about what's going on against the black community here in America. Mark? Yeah, we, um, of course, we're a pro-life organization. We're based in Denton, Texas. And I had always known that the original motivation for the legalization of abortion was uh, black genocide or eugenics. It was part of the eugenics movement. Um, but I didn't think that even most people in the pro-life movement were aware of, of that reality and didn't note all the details on it. So we set out to do this documentary and we eventually finished it and called it Maafa 21. Um, and what we did was we looked at all of the, the, the things that had gone on that had led us up to the point that we are today. And we backed it up. And what we, what we found out, uh, we found out a lot of things that I didn't know even when we did this research. It took us over three years to do the research for this documentary. And um, as we started backing things up, what we found was irrefutable evidence. And I think we make the point undeniably in my Alpha 21 that um, the beginning of legalized abortion started the day that slaves were, were freed back in the 1800s. And um, we connected the dots between that episode in American history and today. We, we didn't leave any gaps in the story. Um, and I, it's pretty clear to me, or I think it's clear to anybody that watches the documentary, that um, abortion was just a continuation of a... Of a um, agenda that started at the end of slavery and uh, continues on to this day. No, I agree. I agree. In fact, we have, um, we've done a couple of stories uh, here on Sons of Liberty over some of this, and it's on the eugenics program. In fact, I, I just want to take time to point people over there. Uh, Corey Lynn, great investigative journalist. She did a six-part series on eugenics, infertility, and population growth. Um, you know, this has gone well beyond, obviously, the black community, but 
this is where it started at the first, and uh, now they're wanting to take out people of, of all ethnic groups, including whites. And um, this is something that, that is very concerning in our day and age. I mean, you would think people would get the idea after so many years of this kind of stuff going on, Mark, that uh, this is not something that we should be involved in. Uh, what did what did your investigation, what did it come out with? Because a lot of this is going to go right to Planned Parenthood, and I noticed that you guys have called it Clan Parenthood. Uh, th- this to me, and with all of the burning and looting and all that stuff, it would have seemed to me, if black lives really mattered, they would have went and attacked the abortion clinics, and they would have torn the abortion clinics down. But that wasn't happening. And why do you think some of this is happening? You, you've done the research on it. How did all this start? Well, what happened, again, we go back to the end of of slavery, and what happened was that um, the world was rejecting slavery. Um, If if you look at just North America, we were were the only country in the world, I mean, in North America that still allowed it. Canada and Mexico had already already banned it, and um, it was becoming obvious that slavery was going to go away in America. And the people that had made uh, all these rich industrialists, I'm I'm not talking about people that did well in life. I'm talking about people that made super fortunes on the backs of slaves, suddenly started worrying that releasing 4 million people into the economy that were basically had no, had no economic value to the economy. Their only thing they could do is work on a, on a cotton plantation that releasing them into the society was going to, was going to bankrupt it. And so they had made billions and billions of dollars off the backs of slaves. Now they wanted to get rid of them. And they tried several different methods to do that. And um, as each one of them failed, they went to the next one. And eventually the final one was abortion, which is where we see today. Um, But yeah, you're, you're right about the Black Lives Matter situation. If the unborn Black life doesn't matter, then no Black Lives Matter. If, if they're going to ignore that reality, um, when you when you consider the fact that these people are getting all fired up about the police and the, and the Ku Klux Klan and and so forth, um, just using the Klan as an example, uh, Planned Parenthood kills more black people in less than a week than the Ku Klux Klan killed in the last 150 years. So if you're gonna if you're going to uh, be obsessed with with that or be upset about it, which you should be. Um, about the disparity in treatment of black people in America. And, and I don't think there's any argument against that. Um, if you're going to be upset about it, be upset about it at the, at the abortion mill, because these are the people that are carrying out black genocide as we speak. Um, they have specifically targeted the black community. They have disproportionately located the, the abortion facilities and birth control centers in that community and as we started looking at this, one of the things that's very interesting about, about this, when we started studying the history of legalized abortion going backwards, when we got back into the days immediately prior to the legalization of abortion in the, in the 60s and early 70s, one of the things that was very interesting was that we found out that the first pro-life groups in this country, the anti-abortion groups in this country, were not National Right to Life or American Life League or Life Dynamics or any other pro-life organization. It was um, the Black Panthers, Nation of Islam, other what were at the time considered very radical 
um, civil rights advocates, they recognized that legalized abortion, um, that the, the push for legalized abortion was targeted at them. They all recognized that. And they were all vehemently opposed to the legalization of abortion. And we just took from that and went backwards all the way back to slavery. And, um, you know, I think you, again, in MAFA 21, and one of the things I've always done since we came out with this, this documentary in 2009, um, I mean, we've been at this now 11 years with the documentary, and I've constantly challenged the abortion lobby or the, the, the leftist, the, the, what I call the godless left in America. If you don't like what I said in MAFA 21, tell me where it's wrong. Tell me one place in there where here's an argument that we made or we found a quote or we found video or whatever it is we found. Tell me where it's wrong. Tell me where it's not accurate. I have yet to have one single person uh, do that. So even they understand uh, what's going on here, that the black community has been targeted mm -hmm. by what I call the population uh, control cartel, uh, in, especially including Planned Parenthood. Yeah, no, I agree. And the reason there's no refutation of it is because everything that you have in there is citing the quotes themselves from books, uh, from papers that are done, from statements that are that are written. All of that's there. It's all documented. The year, uh, the person who says it. And one of the person who's, who keeps coming back over and over is Margaret Sanger herself. And there's no doubt she was she would have been the um, quintessential racist, if you will, along with some of the other people who were there who thought that they were somehow there. You know, when I think of this thing, not to make it a light, a lighthearted thing about it, but I always think about stuff like uh, Dr. Seuss's, you know, the sneeches on the beaches and we have stars upon ours and you don't have those. And uh, unfortunately for, you know, we can't change our skin color. Well, I guess some people have, I think we saw that with Michael Jackson, whatever, but we can't change how God's made us um, in, in the Nor fashion we want to. Yeah. Yeah, unless unless that's yeah, and then then you get into the mutilation of the body and all these kinds of things, which which we're not we're not supposed to be doing. So, what are the what are some who are some of the people who've been involved in this through history? And let me ask you something: Is it still going on today, other than abortion, which we saw? I, I saw that you guys documented they were putting um, uh, chemicals within the food and within the water, which they still do today. Uh, we know that they sterilize people, um, but but this was a specific target towards a specific group of people. Uh, who who all was involved in this? Besides the obvious Margaret Sanger that we speak about, who were some other people that were involved in this? Well, obviously, the, the most obvious answer is is the uh, Nazis. Um, basically, if you if you start studying what was going on in Nazi Germany, the model for that was here in the United States. And even Hitler admitted that, that some of his um, uh, mentors in this were people like Madison Grant, uh, who was an American, and uh, that they patterned their um, uh, death camps, their, their, their policies uh, on things that were going on in the United States. And, you know, the, you, you, it's tempting to look back and, and look at people like the Carnegies and the Rockefellers and and some of the others that we document in the, in the, in the movie that were engaged in the eugenics movement and that were really pushing this idea of white supremacy and eugenics and getting rid of what they called dysgenic types, as Margaret Sanger described, described them, um, of people. And it's tempting to think, well, that was, you know, um, 80 years ago or 100 years ago or 150 years ago. You have eugenics 
people today that are pouring billions, billions of dollars into this process as we speak. Uh, Bill and Melinda Gates would be uh, obvious ones, Warren Buffett, um, George Soros, there's, there's lots of other ones. Um, the eugenics movement is as well-funded and as broad today as it's ever been. And it has the same agenda. They're just better at covering it up. Uh, that was one of the problems that, that um, the American Birth Control League, which started by Margaret Sanger and later became known as Planned Parenthood, um, they weren't very subtle. And I mean, she was a member of the American Eugenics Society. And um, most of the people that she, that she surrounded herself with were all members of the American Eugenics Society. So they weren't very subtle about it. These people today uh, are much more subtle about it. They're, they're, they've learned that, that you need to accomplish your objectives behind the scene, outside the public view. Uh, because in today's world, it would be very difficult for them to come out and overtly do the things that they're doing like they did you know, 100 years ago because of things like television and the internet and social media and so forth, they'd be out immediately. So they have to be more clever about it, but they're still out there and they're still pouring billions of dollars into this. Yeah. One of the questions, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Melinda Gates. Uh, she's recently come out. Uh, we did a show on this and have had several articles where she basically came out and she said, after all of these, when we're talking about vaccinations, which I think has something to do with that as well. Uh, the whole eugenics program. I don't think it's about helping people at all. Uh, and some people actually think they're doing that. I think they're deceived in, in what they're doing. But one of the things she said, she said, the first people that need <clears throat> this vaccine for coronavirus are the 60 million healthcare workers around the world. Well, if you're in a eugenics program and you want to start with population control, which is none, nothing less than, let's just have mass genocide. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. That's a soft word for that. You, you talked about them being subtle. Uh, they deserve to get it before anybody else. And then you start tearing and who's the next people that she lines up. Well, in the U S that would be black people quite mm -hmm. honestly. And many other people of color, which Bradley says we're all people of color. That's why we use colored terms to, uh, to sort of de uh, define ourselves in, in some things. But they're, indeed, they are still doing that. And I think we get different tiers of that. You mentioned the Rockefellers, um, other big money people uh, who've been involved. They're the funders, and that goes down into these foundations, these nonprofits. Uh, these are the things that, in my opinion, they need to be targeted under the law, shut down, their funds seized. Uh, these people dealt some real serious justice for their engagement, their accomplice, accomplices in uh, murder, actually, and then it goes down into the street, and the people, you know, they're they're given over their base self. Um, you talked about abortion clinics in black uh, in black communities. I mean, they set up a liquor store basically on every corner. Um, mm -hmm. The the drug sales are encouraged, and then they get into the issues with the police. And sometimes, look, we've reported on a lot of things where police have acted out of line. They've been lawless and they need to be brought to justice too. So I'm not here to just pour that on. You get the thing of the welfare program that takes the father out of the home. It makes the mother dependent upon the state. And, uh, and they actually encourage her sometimes to, to get pregnant so she can get an abortion or so she can get more welfare or whatever the case may be. And we see these kinds of things and it's a direct attack on there. Now we have it 
in some areas of the white community too. But as you demonstrated in your documentary, which I highly encourage people to take a look at, uh, and I've got the link here in the description. If you want to see it, Mark offers it free on his site, and you can pick up a copy of the DVD. We've got the links for both of those there. I highly encourage you to watch it because you will begin to see how these people have been targeted. Mark? Absolutely. And um, this this has been a um, public relations coup for these people, that they're able to continue doing these things while cloaking it in the in the clothing of compassion or trying to do what's right or or giving back to society. They'll say, you know, we've made billions of dollars and we're worth billions of dollars and we're trying to give back to society. It's nonsense. This is all part of the eugenics movement that started out in, um, at the end of uh, the civil war. And you got to remember it started basically with um, uh, a bunch of white industrialists that, like I said earlier, had made billions of dollars on the backs of slaves and were now concerned that they were going to become a drag on society and started getting rid of them. That same kind of mindset uh, continues on to this day. And um, uh, one of the good things that's happening, and I don't, I, don't, I don't think I mentioned this to you when we talked the other day, we've seen a really strange phenomenon in the last few days. I've had... Um, I had last week a little group of, of uh, African-American leaders that called me, some of which were, some of whom were in the Mafia 21 documentary and some of which have, have just been people that have worked with us on this over the years. But they called and they said, we've noticed a strange phenomenon. We'd like to have a conference call with you about it. And what they had observed was that all of a sudden we're getting a lot more attention on the Maafa 21 project and on the, the general topic of black genocide as a result of Black Lives Matter. And what's interesting about that is we had noticed the same thing here at the office. We had, we'd actually had a meeting here at the office about it. We'd seen exactly the same thing. All of a sudden, I'm having people call me and want to talk about this or ordering caseloads, literally buying caseloads of my office. And um, they were people that three months ago we're totally oblivious to the, to the pro-life issue or to the black genocide issue or whatever. They had gotten activated uh, by Black Lives Matter. And once they did, they started hearing the rhetoric about, well, if Black Lives Matter, what about the unborn Black Lives? What about Planned Parenthood? What about this? What about that? And these people were, unlike the leadership of Black Lives Matter, which are nothing more than communists, unlike them, these people were intellectually honest. And they were saying, okay, if I'm going to be all fired up about Black Lives Matter, then I want to, I want to talk about these as well. And um, so all of a sudden now we're seeing a resurgence and uh, almost an explosion in some cases of interest in this subject that we've been talking about for 11 years now uh, since the documentary came out. And, and we've always had good success with it. We thought at the beginning we would put out maybe 10,000 documentary, I'm um, 10,000 10, of the DVDs. So far, we've put out over 275,000 of them. Um, it's been seen millions of times on, on the internet. It's been shown twice in Congress uh, or in the Congressional Visitor Center. Um, it's been shown in churches and civic centers and convention halls all over the United States and millions of people have seen it. So it's always been successful, but just in the last month or so, 
there's been this gigantic resurgence in interest over it, uh, or burgeoning of interest over it. And it's being driven by Black Lives Matter. And it's one of those examples of how God can take something that man intends for evil and turn it into something good. Black Lives Matter, the, the leadership of it, are radical leftist, radical pro-aborts, they're communist. And, and they don't, they're not even making any bones about it anymore. Their goal is to destroy America. But that doesn't mean that all the people that are bringing in buy into that agenda, because I promise you they don't. And that's the people we're seeing. And so Black Lives Matter is actually helping us, even though we're on the diametrically opposite position on these issues that they are. No, I agree. I agree. In fact, let's talk about uh, let me let me play a little clip here to give people a little sense of uh, what you did and your work here with Mafia 21. <clears throat> this is a this is a lady. She's not young anymore. She was 14 years old. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the state of North Carolina, which is just across the line from me. Her name is uh, Elaine Riddick. And she was sterilized at 14 because, quote unquote, they determined that she was feeble minded and that her children would be feeble minded as well. This will take a couple of minutes, folks. Just just listen to the lady's testimony. This is from Mark's uh, documentary, Maafa 21. Again, you can watch it online for free. Check the link in the description or you can pick up a DVD copy. There's a link there as well. At the age of 13 I became pregnant I was raped by a guy that lived across the street from me he snatched me off the street and molested me and threatened my life and said if I ever told anyone that he would kill me when they was delivering my son they sterilized me at the same time they had approached my grandmother and said that if she wanted to continue to receive supplement, welfare and food stamps, or um, at this time it was giving out these uh, surplus foods, canned cheese, I think it was, or powdered eggs, and said that if she did not sign the eggs, that they were going to stop her supplements. Mind you, my grandmother was illiterate. She had never, ever gone to school. She didn't understand what it was. So she signed the acts, and they did this to me. I did not find out that they had sterilized me until I was 19 years old. I asked the state of North Carolina why they did this to me, and they said that because I was feeble-minded that I would not be able to take care of myself, I would not be able to tie my shoes, that I was uh, just incompetent. The state of North Carolina also said that I had never performed, at the age of 13, I had never performed a day's work in my life. They couldn't get me to do anything. But at the age of 13, I mean, shouldn't I have been in, should I not have been in school? They were saying that feeble-mindedness is hereditary. So they sterilized me so I would not produce my kind. 
Mind you, I am not illiterate, nor am I feeble-minded. I never went into high school, but yet I still acquired a college degree. They also justified that my child or my children would be feeble-minded. My son is the president of his own semiconductor company. He has his own construction company. And he has his own real estate company. I just, I mean, how can you think that your government allowed or allowing these things to happen to a person, a life? You don't have, you can't say nothing, you have no rights. To me, they took away all of my rights. They sterilized kids from, at the, from my understanding and my knowledge as young as eight years of age. I don't know what an eight-year-old can do that could cause them to do this to them. The only reason I can give myself is that because they're black. In 1960, I uh, I got to tell you, Mark, when I when I saw that portion, and I maybe you can maybe you can tell us, but when I saw that portion, I saw a woman who was thinking back, and I know you guys had to keep cutting out there to get certain things, but it seems to me she's just brokenhearted. Uh, that probably during this interview there were times where she wept because of what they did, and she didn't even know why they were doing it. And yet, listen to the refutation. The stuff that she's talking about doesn't come from a biblical worldview. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us to to take feeble-minded people, whatever that may be, and uh, sterilize them or put them to death or any of this kind of stuff. And yet, here she is. She seems very intelligent. Uh, She's got a, a college degree. Her son has got his own semiconductor uh, business. All these, all the lies that were told about her that were based upon evolution. That's where this really comes from. It's based upon evolution. All of the lies that are told about her and their children and those of, quote-unquote, as she put it, her kind, are proven false. They're just not true. And yet people are buying into that lie. Yeah, and... You, you said that she didn't know why they were doing this to her. She didn't know that they were doing this to her. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't learn that until many, many years later. And understand something. This was done by the North Carolina State Eugenics Board. And it's hard for people in today's world, in, with the way things are now, to imagine that we actually had a state that had a state eugenics board like North Carolina. In reality, 31 states had state eugenics boards. And the last one wasn't closed down until 1984. There was still a state, a state eugenics board in Oregon as late as 1984. So this is not stuff that happened 100 years ago or 150 years ago. This is stuff that still, you still have people living that were victims of it. And when all this started collapsing, and understand uh, the place that, that Ms. Riddick was in was during a time when we were having these forced sterilizations. It's when they lost the ability to do forced sterilizations and the, and the state started closing down these eugenics boards and the Supreme Court started ruling against some of the things that they were doing. That's when the push came for legalized abortion. 
And it, and this is what we try to get over to people. It was a step-by-step process. And you've seen the, the documentary. So, you know, we take people on that step-by-step and say, okay, starting before the end of slavery, this was what was happening. And it led to this. And then that led to this and that led to this. And then we, here we are with, with legalized abortion. And uh, yeah, Mark, can you, can you make that connection for people? Because you kind of go from this thing of just, uh, you know, behind the scenes um, or conspiracy, if you will. I mean, that's what it was. There were people working together that wanted to target these minority, uh, these, these blacks uh, after slavery and they, because they, they saw them really as a threat, as a drain on society, all of this kind of stuff, which, you know, if you go back and you actually read that Matthew was making comment of this within um, the chat room, uh, if you go back and you read uh, things like Jefferson Davis's uh, The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government, one of the things that several people wanted to do was they wanted to educate the blacks so that they can live in the society. And I think that's a biblical concept that when you, when you do have slaves in the land, you want them to learn the law. You want them to know how to be productive because if they're coming into your culture and they don't know how to operate in that, well, they're in trouble. If they're out there, they're in trouble. They're having to learn all this on their own. Well, they had a plan to do some of that. I'm not saying the slavery part was right, but they did want to, there were people who wanted to do away with that and they were, they, but they knew they had to train the people in these things. Can you help people understand this move from where this eugenics started after slavery and moved up into Planned Parenthood and uh, the things of sterilization and stuff like that to how it to how it got there to this abortion thing. And can you give people the numbers of what happened in quote the quote unquote black communities and white communities as a result of legalization of of abortion? Well, starting with the last, the last first um, today. Black women make up only about 12% of all the female population in America, and they have about 30% of all the abortions. We now have, because of the targeting of the black community, we now have places in America where more black babies are aborted than are born. And uh, the, the, the eugenics movement, you need to understand something. At the end of, of slavery, when, when, they, when these rich industrialists, and I'm not saying just rich, super rich industrialists, started seeing that slavery was going to be uh, ended and they started worrying about what that was going to do to them. It's going to collapse the economy and destroy their, their fortunes. Their first strategy in, in dealing with that was, was to, uh, what's called colonization. And what they were going to do is ship all the slaves back to Africa. Um, the problem was that first off, most of the slaves that were in America at that time, had never been to Africa. They were born here in the United States. Um, the second problem was there were 4 million of them. You couldn't put 4 million people on ships. There were, it was just not, it was not feasible uh, to put 4 million people on ships and ship them back to a country that may not want them and a country they'd never been to before. So you're not going to send them back to Africa. But there were a lot of people that were, that were big adherents to the colonization idea. As a matter of fact, it was actually funded by the United States Congress but it collapsed and you, there were remnants of it that survived. For example, uh, the country of Liberia that was created at that time, that was going to be the jumping off point for shipping all these slaves back to uh, Africa. And it still exists to this day. But um, when that, when that failed, these people then started looking around for some way to deal with this, with this issue. And um, 
this was about the same time that Charles Darwin was uh, making, doing all his writing. And we show in the, in the documentary how basically what the eugenics movement was, was the application of Charles Darwin's theories. And matter of fact, his first cousin is the guy who came up with the term eugenics. The word eugenics did not exist uh, prior to this time. Charles Darwin's cousin is the one who, who actually started putting these practices uh, in place. And the first thing they looked at doing was, was to try to limit uh, black populations. Um, but the blacks didn't go for birth control and for the things that were being done to try to limit their populations, but whites did. So the, the problem actually got worse. And they started looking at ways, they started out with, with what's called positive eugenics. Then they went to negative eugenics, which was which the argument there was, we're gonna to try to limit the, the growth of blacks. We're gonna encourage the population of whites. It didn't work. And as they went down the line, um, the next thing they tried then was, was, was um, um, sterilizations and uh, forced, they came up with these loony ideas. They were gonna put um, birth control uh, chemicals in the water supply. And we found a lot of articles that, that it was amazing to me. We knew that that was going on. I had no idea it was as broad as it was, but we found tons of articles and people in the United States government that were saying, we can put birth control measures in the water. And, it, and this is a good way to do it because we can control where that water goes. So the water that goes to the black community will have birth control chemicals in it. The water that goes to the white community won't. And um, they, they looked at ideas, Margaret Sanger's idea about having a, a license. If you wanted to have a child, you had to get a license from the government to have one. And the way they would control that is that everybody's water supply would have birth control chemicals in it. And if you got approved to have a child, they would have an anecdote for those birth control chemicals that, that would give to you. You could take them and then you could get pregnant. Um, so there were a lot of these things that were, that were proposed out there. And we document all of them in my Alpha 21. The, the neat thing is that, and I think this is one reason that the other side has never been able to, to critique MAFA 21 or come out and say, well, you said this and that's not right. They've never been able to do that. We found such an enormous volume of information and some of it we did not even, we didn't anticipate when we went out to do the research um, that we didn't have to take any chances. We had, I have uh, right here in this office, all the documentation that we used in MAFA 21, it's a two hour and seven, 17 minute documentary. All the documentation we used in that I've got twice as much as that, that we never used. Um, we could do two more of those movies and not touch on the same, uh, touch on the same issues, but not use the same documentation just with the stuff that we didn't use here. So what that meant was we didn't have to take chances. If we had something that we were going to wanted to put in the documentary, but we looked at it and we said, well, we know this is true, but we can't prove it. We know it's a fact, but we can't get the documentation to prove it. Then we didn't use it because we didn't need to. We didn't take any chances with that because we knew if there was one thing in this documentary, just one thing that the other side could use to discredit it, that would become the focus of the, of the public's perception of this documentary. And so we didn't take, take those kind of chances, but there's a voluminous amount of information out there. Um, just on the links between the American eugenics movement and the Nazis, we could do a four hour documentary just on that 
it was absolutely amazing uh, how much stuff we found on that. And um, yeah, I we just we just did a show um, the other week with Celeste Salam, and uh, it was called "The Nazis Never Lost." And what a lot of people don't even understand is there were very few people that were actually executed at the Nuremberg trials, much less any that were were jailed. Um, and I mean, uh, just a handful, like ten. And uh, the rest of those guys were brought either down into South America or over into the U.S. itself to help purport uh, the abortion industry, the even our quote-unquote health care, which is, I'm beginning to wonder more and more how much of it is really health care and how much of it is just a, a population control. It's just to, to advance that kind of, of, of understanding. Uh, but we've got, we've got something here, Mark, and I just want to respond to it. Michelle is in the chat room. You know, Michelle, I want women to choose their path too. But the fact of the matter is, is I don't go, I, you know, I allow people to, to choose their path. And if they go out and murder somebody, I'm not going to say, well, you just wanted to do that. That's okay. Maybe, Michelle, you need to go get a job at Planned Parenthood and you actually need to be one to try to go in there and see what's going on when that doctor does what he does with that little human. And that's what it is what he does with that, and then you come out and you tell me that it's okay. But see, here's the problem, Mark. We've got people who won't hear God's word. They won't hear the law. They say society determines, and I would say to somebody like Michelle who said that, well, what if society determines it's okay for all men to go and rape women? Is that okay with you? Well, no, that's not okay. Well, why not? We've got to look outside of our own thinking and this herd mentality, and we've got to go back to the creator who established the law. He made men. And he made the law uh, for the good of man, not to harm them, not to keep them from having fun or any of this other stuff. He did it to protect us. And if when we stray outside of that, we're only hurting ourselves. You were talking about the destruction of the black community uh, in this. I think uh, one of the ladies that you had, uh, Michelle Renee, uh, she was talking about there were times where the they were talking about the um, the, the black community growing at, uh, what was it, 17 times uh, during a period of time, and the white community grew like 37, but they, they were talking about population control, but she said they were only really concerned about controlling one part of the population. And uh, and this is the thing. Now this stuff is coming in uh, that I see, not just in the black community, it's coming in every, it's coming among people. It's almost non-discriminatory uh, today. And as you said, it's become more and more subtle and I think that's because our enemy is behind it, Satan himself. And the fact of the matter is, is that he he doesn't like people who are made in God's image. He wants to destroy them. Um, is that the conclusion that you come to as far as what you're dealing with here as well? Absolutely. And you're you're right that it's, it, I, I'll disagree with you on one thing. You say it's not discriminatory. It is. It's not discriminatory, though, based on skin color. It's discriminatory based on economics these wealthy elitists. And again, you can go back and talk about the Rockefellers, the Carnegie's or all the other ones that, that we talk about in the, in the documentary from the 1800s. But now we have the, the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates and the Warren Buffett's and those types. Um, they will never admit to you what their agenda is. But when you look at their actions, you can figure out what their agenda is. They honestly believe that the world exists for the pleasure of the super elites and that everybody else is the servile class. And that's, that's their agenda. Now there'll be more people 
in that class that are black are Hispanic than there are white. But the fact is their discrimination is based on class more than it is based on skin color. It's just that you see it more often in blacks because there's more of them in that, in that class of people. And so they don't think uh, this group of people, right, and let me give you an example of this. When, when there's a um, tragedy of some sort, let's say a natural calamity or a civil war or something somewhere in the world, the American government's response to that and the response of all these, of all these super elites to that is different if it's in a white country than if it's in a black country. So you have something that happens, let's say, in a country in Africa. Let's say you have a civil war that kills 10,000 people a week or whatever, like Rhodesia or whatever, uh, or you have a natural catastrophe or some, something like that. They will go in there and literally to this day tell them, we will help you. The United States government will help you. But you're going to have to legalize abortion, even if you don't want to. You're going to have to take our versions of birth control, population control, abortion, and so forth, or we're not going to help you. If there's a, uh, if there's a natural um, tragedy of some sort in a, a country in Europe, let's say France or England, we would never in a million years go into there and say, the United States will only help you as long as you take our birth control, abortion, and uh, population control measures. If you don't do those things, we won't help you. We would never say that to those countries. Uh, and yet that's our standard response uh, when we go into these countries that are predominantly minority. And of course, not minorities there, they're the predominantly majority there, but these companies that are primarily black or, or South American, they're uh, Hispanic or whatever. And the same thing is happening in the Hispanic community, by the way that's been happening in the black community, they've been targeted as well. But our response to them is always different. Our response to whatever country has the problem is different based on what color that country is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I wanted to address something here uh, because, again, we have some interaction going on with the chat. We don't have uh, the phone lines open or I would invite people to, to call in. Michelle, you'd be welcome to call in. But uh, she says, you know, where is the woman's voice uh, in the Bible uh, concerning abortion? Well, let me, let me give a little bit of that. You know, in the book of Exodus, we read that the Pharaoh, you know, the people of Israel, that the, the Pharaoh that came in, the people of Israel who had come down there and they'd been there for a while, the Bible, the only thing that tells us, didn't say they were starting any ruckus, they weren't uh, anti-government, they weren't looking to overthrow um, the government or anything there. They just had children, which is what God called people to do. Blacks, whites, Hispanic, Asian, whatever you are, uh, be fruitful, multiply, take dominion over the earth. That's the command of God. And so that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. And what we read in Ephesians, or excuse me, Exodus chapter 1, verse 15, it says... And the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were uh, Shipra and Pua, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them in the, on the birth stools. If the child's a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, let her live. You want to know the voice of the women on abortion in the Bible? Here's what they did. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had instructed. They let the boys live 
So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the, the boys live? I mean, they're putting their lives on the line here to do this. And the midwives answered Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. I mean, they kind of, they covered up for, for what they were doing for they're vigorous and give birth before a midwife arrives. So God was good to the midwives. Listen to this. And the people multiplied and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. I mean, Mark, I can't see anything. We have it so backwards here in America. God says our debt is a curse. Children are a blessing. We say, nope, children are a curse. That's that's a blessing. And right. and this is this is this is the late. So, Michelle, if you want to hear the voice of women in the Bible against abortion, which this is actually this would be um, after birth abortion. So uh, what do you what do you say to that? I mean, again, we're, we're talking about the black genocide. But I mean, this this was going on back here in 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 Egypt. Well, one of the things I, I think you need to recognize here among these super wealthy elites that are still carrying out this eugenics uh, birth control population control agenda. Um, there's there. One of their fundamental strategies is to divide the people that they're trying to control. And so that's what you see here in America. If they'll try to divide us black against white, they'll try to divide us rich against poor. They'll try to divide us male against female. And the thing that would, and that's what people like Michelle are the victims of. They bought into that male versus female part of it. They may even buy into the black versus white part of it. But the reality is that among these people uh, that are trying to socially engineer the world to make it in, in their, basically in their image instead of in God's image, um, the thing that would scare them the most would be for when, when they see blacks and whites getting along, that terrifies them. When they see men and women getting along, that terrifies them. And so um, people like Michelle have fallen victim to that. Um, and they see the world in this context of male versus female, that uh, all men are trying to oppress women. All men are this, all men are that, all women are this, all women are that. And it's not, it's not healthy for any society when a few select ultra wealthy people can say, we will divide all of the people that may come against us into these little camps and keep them fighting with each other. And that way they'll never look at what we're doing. That's what's happening in America today. It's been happening for 150 years. No, there's a good words, Mark. Um, we're getting close to the end of the show here. And uh, what, are, what are some of the things that we're faced with this moment uh, in America not only in the black community, although I think it's it's there's obviously a larger percentage of that, and they are targeted. We're seeing the Hispanic community as well. But overall, what are we faced with concerning this issue here? Well, one of the things that that these people, um, these eugenicists, always did was again going back to this thing of dividing people. But they would even divide people within a household, and um, they would pit. Uh, they they would make you think that men and women are each other's enemies. And really what they've done with the abortion issue, and I, I suspect this Michelle person is, is one of the people that's fallen for this. They have created this, this perception that children are the enemies of their mothers. 
And so you come out here and you hear them say, well, it, it, it's, it's great if you want to have babies and they're not really, if you want to go through that burden and that, and that drudgery of having babies, that's fine. But you're not going to ever be a corporate lawyer. You're not going to be doing this. You're not going to be doing that. And they've really created this, even though they would never admit this to you. What they've done is they've created this mindset where men want to oppress women and babies are the enemies of their mothers. And really what they're doing is they're separating women out from the, from the rest of the family. And, and they've already separated men out. Um, and that, you know we've heard for the last 40 or 50 years that basically once a man has contributed the, the sperm to create a child, he's pretty much irrelevant at that point. He can, he can go away and women can take care of it from their own. And now we're, we've got a tremendous number of social problems in this country that are the result of that sort of division and people are starting to wake up to it. And you're starting to see more and more people, even some pretty hardcore feminists that are the ones that are more intellectually honest are coming out and saying, you know, we've, we've been in a little bit of deception here. Uh, children do better when they have a, a man in the family. But when you look at what's been done to the black community, it is criminal. The people that have done this to the African-American community ought to be in prison. But a much higher percentage of, uh, did you know that a, that a higher percentage of blacks owned a business in 1958 than owned one today? No, I didn't. I didn't. And we're, we're close to the end of the show. Let me, let me answer one thing quickly and I'm gonna let okay. you give out your information here. Um, Michelle was talking about, oh, the viable. I'm asking two, she said independently viable. Well, a two-year-old can live outside, but for how long, Michelle, can it feed itself? Can it take care of itself? Can it do all the things that a, that a grown person can do? No, it's going to die. So it's not really viable in the way you're using it. And I asked her, well, should we off the two-year-olds? Should Don't be ridiculous. Well, I'm not being ridiculous. I'm taking the words that you gave, viable, independently viable. And that's the whole argument the Supreme Court's made that everybody says law is not as an opinion. It was in one case, and we ought to just reject it and shut this stuff down. Mark, we're coming up at the end of the show. You want to tell people where they can find out more about you? Well, they can go to lifedynamics.com or prolifeamerica.com. Um, and we have a podcast as well, and we have um, a lot of materials beyond just this eugenics issue. But uh, if they want to watch the documentary, they can go to Maafa21, M-A-A-F-A-2-1.com, and they can watch it for free there. Or if they want to order their own DVD, they can order one there too. But um, it's, it's available to watch for free there on YouTube and a lot of other places. But um, go to Maafa21.com and watch that documentary. Okay, Mark Crutcher, thank you so much, lifedynamics.com, and uh, we appreciate your time getting up early this morning, too, and all thank the information, you. and guys, go check it out, Mafa 21, you can watch it for free, you can pick up the DVD, it's also a link in the description, you can check that out as well, 23 hours, we'll be back with you, I think we're going to do Patrick Wood on masks, you're going to like that, see ya. <laughs>